All right, so we're in chapter 12, Consultation is the title. Um, this is our last uh, chapter on the interpretation process. So we started with observation and ways we can just pile all the pieces of the puzzle on the table. Then we've moved into interpretation. Now we've got all those pieces. How do we begin interpreting God's Word? So this is the last chapter of that. And then next week we'll get into the last three chapters, which are all focused on how do we then apply God's Word. It's not enough just to observe it and interpret it. We've got to apply it to our lives. So we're going to get to that next week. But this last chapter is about consultation, basically just the idea of after we've observed things, after we've sought to do word studies, uh, put motifs and themes together, all the things we've talked about with interpretation, once we've done that, really we want to consult other resources, consult Bible, uh, study Bibles, commentaries, other tools out there to, to make sure we're not off base as we've done the study and we've come to maybe certain interpretive ideas we're consulting others okay so you see here a quote you know a lot of people uh when it comes to commentaries can take different approaches some people say you shouldn't use commentaries at all do all the legwork yourself because commentaries can become a crutch that you rely upon others will say well you can use commentaries but you should really do all the legwork yourself and only use them at the end um, but as the book says uh, and throughout the book they suggest utilizing commentaries and other resources throughout the process of inductive Bible study, not leaning upon them too heavily, doing the legwork yourself, but as you're going through the process that we've talked about, you're utilizing them. And so the quote there you see is that utilizing commentaries is not meant to be a crutch, a replacement for doing the hard work of inductive thinking, but a complement to one's own study, an opportunity to gain insight and knowledge from the cumulative expertise represented within Christian scholarship, okay? So how do we then utilize commentaries and other resources properly? So you see here, first of all, we're consulting the historical, literary, and theological depths of Scripture. And we've talked about this uh, throughout this process, the whole idea of the hermeneutical triad, right? When it comes to interpreting Scripture, we want to understand the historical aspect, the literary aspect, and the theological aspect, okay? So commentaries can aid in helping us to uncover the depths of those areas, okay? You see there, the primary reason we use commentaries is not to have others tell us what the Bible means. Rather, it's to provide information and insight that better equips us to make our own decisions about what the Bible says, okay? So they, first of all, help us uncover the historical aspect of Scripture, okay? You see a quote there, when, this, when specific geopolitical, situational, geographical, and cultural elements inform particular text, a commentary is often the primary means to engage with relevant historical information. So there are specific commentaries that will aid with this historical aspect. So there are Bible background commentaries, Bible dictionaries, atlases, introductions, and standard commentaries as well. We'll touch on that historical aspect, okay? I know we're going to move through this quick. I want to do an exercise at the end, so we're going to get through the notes so we can take some time uh, to do an exercise and, and hopefully make this practical. The next aspect, unlocking the literary. Okay? Commentaries are helpful at providing insight to the original language, Greek, Hebrew. So they, they aid, you know, most of us are not super familiar with Greek and Hebrew, and so as we study commentaries, most of the people that are writing commentaries are pretty familiar with the original languages. And so they're able to help us understand this is what this 
Hebrew or Greek word is, what it means, its usage elsewhere. Um, many commentaries will transliterate Greek and Hebrew words. What does that mean? Transliterate Greek and Hebrew. Does anyone know what that means? Yes, you got it. No. <laughs> Not quite, but it's where we're taking a, a Greek or Hebrew word. So, of course, they use different, a different alphabet entirely. So the, even the characters, the letters themselves are going to be different. But they will take those letters and give us an English equivalent of what it sounds like. Okay, So we can even just read what the word says. If you've ever looked at Hebrew, uh, it, Greek is a little easier because they're similar characters. Not always do they look the same or, or make the same sound as our letters. But Hebrew is you're reading from right to left. And it's just it's really difficult. So they'll take those words and... You know, tell, tell us what is that word in English, what does it sound like? So that gives us a little more familiar, familiarity with the Greek and Hebrew. They also will help us recognize text critical issues, literary structure, rhetorical function, and interpretive correlation. So some of those things we've touched on before, commentaries will help us bring those things out, maybe areas like that that we've missed. Okay, they also help unveil the theological. We talked last week about theological motifs or themes that are common throughout scripture and commentaries for the most part it can be a challenge sometimes with commentaries that are going verse by verse to help expose some of those themes but commentaries are getting better at if a verse touches on a theme trying to help us understand that theme across scripture okay so when commentaries give adequate attention to theological motifs within the text this analysis helps readers see the theological threads that impact interpretation, threads not readily seen apart from the assistance provided by outside scholarship. So they can help us see those bigger themes that maybe we're not, we talked about last week, sometimes new students of Scripture are going to overlook those themes because they don't have a familiarity with Scripture. So commentaries can help draw some of those themes out as well. Okay? So we're going to talk about some tips, just some practical things for how to choose a commentary. Okay? And I've got, I think there's more information in the notes, but I just put the tips listed out there. So the t- first tip is to take it for a test drive. So let's say you're considering a commentary and determining is this a good commentary to use. Take it for a test drive. One of the best ways to know if a commentary is really helpful is to test it with a known problem passage. So a problem passage would be a passage that's challenging to interpret. In, interpret. Um, and so let's see, do they touch on that topic? Do they show the different interpretations or do they skip over it? If they skip over, especially time and time again, those difficult passages, it's probably not a great commentary to use because they're not wanting to dig in and and dive into those problem passages, okay? And again, we want to see as well, is a commentator just saying, this is how I interpret the passage, or are they laying out, here's some various ways that people interpret it, and, and then critiquing some of those false views and giving their reasoning for their interpretation, okay? So the best commentaries will not only present the author's interpretation of a passage, but will also provide analysis into the pros and cons of various approaches along with the rationale behind the author's preferred conclusion. So this is what to be looking for, how to take a commentary for a test drive. The second one is to look under the hood. Um, First, ask whether the commentary is geared to a popular or academic audience. Some commentaries are going to be real in-depth and, and maybe geared more towards pastors and those who are 
maybe more academic. Others might be a little more practical, and so that's one thing to consider. Who is this geared toward? Popular-level commentaries are not necessarily bad, but they're more likely to bypass the harder interpretive issues in the text. Second, check to see if the commentary represents an evangelical faith-based stance towards Scripture or embraces a critical approach. In addition, it will be helpful to research the theological persuasion of the individual author. So we're probably going to go ahead and rule out commentaries that are completely off base as far as they're Catholic or they're Mormon or something like that, right? We can go ahead and say, well, they've got a different background. They're not going to, uh, of course, come to the same interpretation that those of us who are looking to Scripture as the sole authority are, okay? Or if there are people that are critical of, don't have a good, strong stance upon the authority of Scripture, we can rule those out. Third, check the publication date on commentaries. Newer doesn't, does not always mean better, but newer commentaries will naturally reflect more recent scholarship. The bibliographies and newer commentaries also reflect a broader and more current pool of resources. So this is not to say older commentaries aren't good, but a lot of times newer ones, they have more resources to pull from. In their bibliographies, they're going to have other sources there that help us through this process, okay? The next tip, choose utility over style. Um, When it comes to commentaries now, we can get hard copies, but there's a lot of Bible software programs. Uh, Logos is a very uh, popular one, one that Pastor Justin and I use. Um, And you can get commentaries and you can get resources on your computer. And so, you know, for us, when we're studying, it's nice. You can have the passage up and you can have all the commentaries that touch on that passage in different tabs. And so um, some, though, might prefer hard copies, right? And, And even... For Pastor Justin and myself, we utilize hard copies and digital versions. So there's different things out there, and the key is not um, what the best style is, but what you're going to use, okay? Which one are you? If you know I'm not technological, I'm not going to use resources on the computer, then find hard copy versions. If you know I don't like picking up hard copies, you know, I've got an iPad and that'd be easier, Use what you, uh, pick what you're going to use, okay? So choose utility over style. In the end, choosing between electronic and hard copy versions is a matter of personal preference. The main rule is be comfortable using the system that you choose. Pick what you know you will use and use it, okay? The last tip is, and they started this section of tips by saying, you know, people ask them all the time, what are some good commentaries? And so they, instead of just saying, well, here's the good commentaries we recommend, they want us to be thinking through why uh, we should use a commentary or not. But the last one, and I think I listed these out, these are some commentaries that they list as um, some some good ones that they would recommend. So you can look at that list. I put that there. There's so many more than what they can list as well. But you can look at that list and just see what uh, some of their recommendations are. All right, the next section here, tips for using commentaries. So after we've chosen one, how do we use it? Uh, or, and again, you're going to see this in the first thing, tip one, diversify between opinions. Hopefully we're not just choosing one commentary, we're choosing multiple. And so that's the first tip. No commentaries inspired. Commentators are going to have different conclusions at times. Many of them will have the same approach to Scripture. There's really not a difference in how they go about seeking to interpret Scripture, but for whatever reason they come to different conclusions. And so... They recommend 
using three to five sources in studying a passage. So once you've done this legwork, or as you're doing the legwork of observing and seeking to interpret Scripture, don't just consult one resource, but use multiples and engage with your own research and what you've done with when it comes to what they suggest. They say there are two primary advantages to diversifying amongst sources in consultation. One, diversification provides greater opportunity to find keen insight in addressing the hard questions of the text. Number two, diversification acts as a safeguard and balances out one's grasp of the relevant exegetical issues involved. Okay? So if you've got one commentary and they're way off base in, in a passage and you see you know, the three or four other ones you're using push back against that, it helps us to get a more rounded view uh, of how to interpret a passage, okay? Yes? It, it's simply, yeah. Right. Well, and the, the first one they point out there is, even though maybe, maybe you have five commentaries, and they're all solid, and they all come to the same conclusion, but maybe one of them has a little more insight into, you know, gives a little more of a nugget than another one. They elaborate a little more. Having a diversification can help us maybe get a more well-rounded view of why they came to that conclusion. So having some different uh, commentaries and how they go about explaining their interpretation can help. So they, they use the illustration of like diversifying your por- portfolio with finances. You're not going to put all your money in one bucket because you're going to rise and fall with that stock or whatever it's in, right? You want to spread it out, and so you're, you're getting, it's a safeguard too if, you know, the one commentary you'd go with doesn't explain a passage well or doesn't do a good job having others that, that help us uh, understand and interpret the text a little better, okay? So the next one is engage in the discussion between opinions. So a good tool to, as you're working through these commentaries, they say by start by writing down which interpretive questions you have in a passage and then summarize how each commentary answered the question and how they came to that conclusion. So if you're studying a passage, as you're developing questions, then this is really goes back to the observation stage. What questions are we asking of the text? Put your question, write out your commentaries, and put how did they engage with that question or how did they answer that question. So as you list that out for each commentary, if you see a good consensus, then you know that's awesome. If you don't, then you start to engage a little more. Why did this commentator come away with this interpretation and another a different one, okay? Um, the book says, if commentators routinely bypass supporting their conclusions to hard questions, then the commentary may be a poor choice. In addition, a commentary that altogether bypasses the hard questions may not be the best con- choice for consultation. So even as you're listing out how they interpret it, write how did they come to that conclusion? Because if they just, well, this is what it means and that's the end of it that's probably not as good a, a, a commentary as one that's going to explain different opinions and why they come, came to the conclusion they did. Now, once you've done this, once you've written down uh, a summary of how they've answered that question and how they came to that conclusion, um, then you can write whether you agree with that or not, okay? So maybe you agree across the board, maybe you agree with one of them or two of them, and then uh, explain why you came to your conclusion, right? Most interpretive conclusions lie somewhere And this is important, too, when we think about how uh, different commentators might interpret a passage. 
most interpretive conclusions lie somewhere between slightly possible to highly probable. And they say, herein lies the rub. Quite regularly, commentators will assert a given interpretation that is barely possible, but what they would need to show is not only that their interpretation is possible, but that it is plausible, and in fact, the most probable way to read the text. Okay? Therefore, don't confuse possibility with plausibility or even probability. Not everything that is possible is also probable. What they're saying is... And, and this goes back to even as we're talking about understanding different Greek words. If they're just taking like, uh, you know, the semantic range of a word and they're taking uh, one way that word can be used and saying, well, if you use it in this way, then this text can mean this. And it's, it's a possibility that it could be saying this. Well, that may be, but is it the probable means of what the author was seeking to communicate? Is that the best interpretation? Okay. So just because they, you know, do a song and dance and make it mean this doesn't necessarily mean that's what the text means, okay? So we want to be thinking about that. Is this just a possibility or is this the probability of what the author was seeking to communicate, okay? The third tip, continue to be inquisitive as you research. So as you're consulting these commentaries, you might find, hey, there are things that I didn't even think about in this passage that I'm seeing them draw out, and that brings a new set of questions that I need to ask and engage with, so don't say, well, already, in, you know, step, step one was writing all the questions, so I can't write questions down now. No, continue as you're uh, engaging with these commentaries. If questions arise, write down more questions, do more research. If there's things that uh, maybe, you know, we, we talked about um, looking for non-routine terms. Maybe you overlooked a, a, a term in a passage, and they elaborate, hey, this is a really important term. So now you need to do a little further study on that word. So always be thinking, even in this process, and engaging with uh, what, what you're seeing in these commentaries. The fourth tip, use consultation as a springboard for further study. So utilize the footnotes and the bibliographies and commentaries. So commentators are not just doing all this themselves. They're consulting with other commentaries and other resources as well. And so their footnotes and their bibliographies especially if you find a solid commentary that really deals with the issues well, use their bibliographies and consult some of the resources they used to dive in further into study, okay? Tip five, use scripture indices. This is just at the back of a lot of commentaries. There's an index. Um, some might be based on, a, on scripture texts that are used, so you can search that way, or it might be subject matter. So if you want to know how did the commentary engage with a certain topic, it'll tell you what page and what you know, passage they, they were dealing with that for. So use these as a tool as well. And then the last thing before we uh, finish with our exercise here is just consulting other resources, not just commentaries, but we've talked about different translations are helpful, concordances are helpful, and even as we're going through this process of interpretation, study Bibles are very helpful because they're not going to be Usually it's lengthy, but they're going to try to hit on especially some of those difficult verses to understand. They're going to touch on that in a concise way. Bible dictionaries, atlases, introductions, which Bible introductions are um, basically a, an overview of the theological background of the book of the Bible. So those can be helpful at times. Monographs and journal articles, those are people publishing. Maybe there's a very difficult uh, 
text to interpret. There's different journals out there where people are publishing. Here's how I researched this topic and conclusions I came to. And I think there's some, I think in your notes, I left some of the recommended resources under each of those that they, that they recommended, okay? So the conclusion, and I think I put this on the screen, is utilize these resources, use discernment, okay? As you're studying, with, just like with everything, use discernment and learn to chew the meat and spit out the bones. So you're going to find commentators that, well, they're not really helpful in this way or this, I don't feel like they dealt with this very well. Well, just spit that out and if there's something helpful that they're dealing with as you're studying, then do that, okay? Any questions before we, we're going to finish our time with a little exercise, hopefully to help us understand how we can utilize commentaries and study Bibles. But any questions first? 